My friends, what lays before you is the myriad knowledge of an unfathomable universe. Join our intrepid remembrancers as they explore the heresy as history. From deep within the farthest reaches of the great library of Tiska, we are the Heresy Grad School. So said the War Master in his wisdom. Go forth, my sons, and illuminate them. So here's my theory on Alpharius and the Alpha Legion, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought about this. I think he cloned himself. I think we have, I actually think we have evidence of, that he cloned himself because at the very end of, was it Praetorian of Dorne or was it Solar War? He basically says that he's like, he, he's disembodied, right? Like he put his consciousness into some other form. Like if he's like, if this goes sideways, man, he's like, this is not the end of me. Do you, Wait, do you remember did, that, Jason? Yeah, didn't we have this conversation? Because I said that sounded almost exactly like what the Dark Eldar do with the homunculus covens. Ooh, maybe. So, dark, yeah, Dark Eldar archons will give... They, uh, the uh, homunculi are the only ones in Dark Eldar society that know how to keep, uh, like, to transfer consciousness. So a Dark Eldar lord will pay, like, an incredible amount of uh, Dark Eldar dollars... Uh, rubles i guess (laughs) to like the homunculus covens to keep like you know a teeny portion like you know some blood a hair clipping a finger something like that yeah so if they die they'll immediately be like their consciousness will be kicked over into like their next waiting body well we know like we know that alpharius was was deep in the cabal right like he was recruited by the cabal so all of that knowledge, that the fact that they were able to resurrect, you know, folks, uh, Damien Pretantis and, 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 and the other quote-unquote perpetuals, but really maybe not because the Cabal was really just sort of reincarnating them. Um, oh, that reminds me. Have you gotten through Old Earth yet? Mm, no, I really need to get through that. Okay, I won't spoil it for you. But there's a whole bunch of hilarity with the Cabal, and it's like they're trying to tie that whole sort of deal up. It's really good. Yeah. Like, yeah, you no, definitely cool. won't be mad at it if you read it. But um, like how but it's interesting it. because it's like, on one half there's a Vulcan, who's a perpetual, and then on the other half there's a Cabal, which, like, uh, Eldrad, you know, is kind of diametrically opposed to them now. Right. So he's trying to like take out cabal members permanently. It's pretty good. Ooh, I didn't know that was cool. That, that's kind of cool. It's like a little mafia war. Exactly. And I love like I have no idea why they gave him that ridiculous accent, but I love uh, Damon Pretanus. Like when John Grammaticus dies for the last time, and he's like, "This is it, Johnny. This is your one last chance." <laughs> Johnny boy. Yeah, it's like a nineteen like. 40s maybe new york accent yeah they're all they're all gangsters yeah yeah but they're all like from that right time right? Yeah. it's like what do you mean there's no brooklyn in space <laughs> which is the greatest thing is i don't know who does it's either jonathan keeble or like um who's the other gareth armstrong right which is they're just fantastic voice actors and it's like yeah do the 1940s 
Brooklyn, New York accent nails it. It's pretty spectacular. To, uh, butcher the of course. One that one's terrific. It's the first time uh, Lotara Saren is in a short story. Ooh, yeah. And she fucking nails a bunch of Eldar shit. Yeah, because Angron basically tells her, like, you know, we gotta track these things down. They're annoying me. And she's like, sir, none of our ships have ever been able to find them, much less track them down. He's like, I don't care. Do it anyway. Right? And she does. But I think it's all foreboding for Angron's trans... I do really like uh, Butcher's Nails, too, just because it it just is such a fun... Like, if that was a TV show, it would be like one of those fun one-off episodes. Because Angron's basically like, well, Lorgar, instead of just, you know, opposing me and everything, and, you know, just being the solid, like, you know, straight and narrow, let's get stuff done guy all the time, let's just, like, did you ever consider coming with me and screwing around for a day? And Lord Gar's like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. And you know, then they go on a weekend. It's when you get to The Lost and the Damned, which is the second book in the Solar Wars, right? The Sea of Terra. Um, there's a very powerful scene with Latara Saren and Karn. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody because it's, it's really good. But th- it's just, it's because they're, they're both. They both know that they've sort of crossed this line, right? There's no coming back from this, right? And they right. know, and they sort of know where they are. And it's just, at this point, I think it's just damage control, man. And it's just, it's it's really powerful from the point of view of, like, Latara Saren and, you know, Karn are the only really co- competent, conscious ones left within the you know um the world eaters like on the conqueror like it's just and it's all damage control at this point right and it's just they're strung out and it's man it's just so it's so good and i love that they're still in the story and and they're still in the story and and even when the lost in the dam ends they're still in the story so i am really interested to see what because we know Karn's still around even up till uh, M42. Oh, but yeah. at some point, Lotara Saren dies because she's not in Karn Eater of Worlds, which is immediately following, um, like is immediately following the Siege of Terra into the Scouring. Hmm. Interesting. Who but wrote Anthony, that, Jason? Who is the author on that? I want to say Anthony Reynolds, but don't quote me on it. Please hold. Okay. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Anthony Reynolds. By the yeah, way, hopefully. listeners, uh, welcome back to uh, Heresy Grad School. <laughs> We're just kind of having a book chat. And Pat's getting do. us back on track like the stellar manager he is. Well, no, no, no. I think it's reasonable that, that we talk about books. I mean, that's kind of our jobs as the historians of the podcast. You know, we keep track of this this random collection of knowledge that this game that we, and we all love and it is always nice too we, when we can pull a bunch of stuff from the black library books into the stuff with the giant black books because they really kind of cross-pollinate a whole bunch and it's really terrific to see it from different angles oh yeah most definitely but um before we get into listeners we're, we're going back into uh paramar again if you're following along we're in uh we're in the uh, third black book on page 22. But what I what I want to talk to Jason, in Karn Eater of Worlds, like your the intro, so is is the Conqueror destroyed? 
Uh, it's not. The Conqueror's still around in uh, M4142. Okay. Uh, it's the story of Karn is still basically in uh, in a coma after the Siege of Terra, and it's the largest part of what's left of the World Eaters as a Legion as they're trying to figure out, like, what's going on. It's like, where do we go from here? You know, uh, Horus was killed. Everybody's been kind of scattered. It's like... What are we doing? Do we try to stay together as a legion? Do we break up, like, um, you know, and go our separate ways like the Night Lords did? Like, what do we hang on to? And it's why, um, I think it's the captain of the Ninth Assault Company, uh, who's hanging on to most everything. And what's interesting, too, is not only do you see some characters, like, from the, uh, world eaters from the heresy but you also see some from farther on uh into some of the smaller works like if you guys have ever uh listened to eightfold path uh it's a teeny little audio drama i think it was one of the first ones black library ever did but that's also anthony reynolds and it has a couple of teeny uh character cameos from that as well but it's pretty great it's actually how the world eaters um go about uh during the scouring and into the legion wars and how they actually uh first start their beef with the emperor's children hmm. because then you know during the legion wars the emperor's children are eradicate everything that's left of the sons of horus mm-hmm. but they it's get... also interesting because i think um karn is almost like diametrically opposed to um abaddon right like abaddon's trying to pull everybody together He's, he's saying, you know, forget your old packs and, and differences. Like, I mean, like, stay true to the ideal, right? They were, they were made for more than just sort of the emperor's uh, false truth, right? And, and so, but, but Karn, I think, and, and I don't know, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, eventually he just, just becomes so jaded that he just kind of goes off on his own. Right? He's like, he doesn't have his war band. He doesn't have followers, right? He just sort of, I mean, he just sort of becomes this this uh, this machine, right? It's like, it's just like force of nature. Um, and he really... Yeah, that's a yeah. pretty accurate way to describe it. Uh, when he does wake back up, because that's definitely not a spoiler, because you know he wakes up at some point, but... Uh, when he wakes back up in Eater of Worlds, uh, you know, a whole he's like this figurehead for them now, since Angron's like, nobody knows where Angron is. Uh, but he's like this figurehead, and everybody wants him for something different. Like, some of the captains want him to, you know, try and pull the world eaters back together again. And some of them want him to try and, you know, lash out and attack the loyalists again. And he just, once he wakes back up, he essentially... I mean, he even tells the captain of the Ninth Company, he's like, I don't want this. I thought I was dead. I don't want to be back and have all of these problems again. Man, that's, that's, that's heavy, dude. I mean, yeah. it's a spectacular novel. I'm about to check. All right, Pat, so let's get into, or let's get back into Paramar, right? I mean, we could we could do this all night, I feel like. Yeah, Easily. We could, we could spend the next time talking about this shit, so. <laughs> But yeah, no, let's get back into it, fellas. Jason, I think we're starting around uh, Iron Pilgrims, right? Yep, that's uh, page 22 on, let's see, book three. 
you're checking that business out with us, uh, down near the bottom left there, Iron Pilgrim. So, last time on the Paramar engagement, uh, the Alpha Legion have, you know, set up shop and have been slowly kind of constricting uh, the Paramar system, unbeknownst to the, I don't know, what would you call them, Paramarians? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, close enough, right? <laughs> but, uh, so they've been inserting agents, uh, hijacking supply ships, all sorts of, uh, you know, Alpha Legion brand nefariousness going on. So they have initiated their plan. The noose is tightening. Everything's coming together. It has kicked off. And the second they have started to push two major offensives, uh, one at the Paramar Nexus around Paramar 5, and the uh, ship we talked about last time, the Annex Row. And on the other side, we have the Ferion, which is the big giant um, acquiring navigational beacon, is being moved on by the Sigma Pythonus and its little bunch of escorts. They are pretty much uh, clueless, the Paramarians are clueless as to the entirety of what's going on at the drop site still. So to see a bunch of Alpha Legion ships showing up, demanding to dock for resupply and whatnot, is not that big of a deal. Now, the problem for the Alpha Legion is they have all of this planned down to, like, the most minute detail, which we'll get into a little bit later, uh, except for the five Iron Warrior ships that drop into the system, uh, led off by the Tyche's Lament, which is the flagship, of Kir Valen and the 77th Grand Battalion of the Iron Warriors. So, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It was kind of interesting. I looked this up just because I love some of the, uh, you know, fun little historical and mythological allusions they put in here. Uh, Tyche, or the Roman equivalent is Fortuna, are the Greek and Roman goddesses respectively of luck and the prosperity of cities. So, Tyche's Lament is pretty entertaining as a ship name for an Iron Warrior who are particularly, you know, jaded and no-nonsense. So, uh, these Iron Warrior ships coming in, kind of a pain in the ass for the Alpha Legion. They've just set this entire plan they've spent all this time and effort, you know, putting together, and this is a variable they did not account for, because several things could be true. Did the War Master not trust them enough to get this done and sent along an Iron Warriors fleet, mini fleet, as sort of a watchdog? Are they there to aid the Alpha Legion? Uh, are these all of the ships that the Iron Warriors have, or is this just a small, you know, fleet delegation? They don't know, but at this point they're too far into this plan to, you know, put a halt on any of it. So... The Sigma Pythonus, things go a little better here for the Alpha Legion. They dock at some of the outermost shipyards, and a single Thunderhawk uh, jets off to the Ferion station. When it gets there, it's only a single figure descending from the ramp to this great delegation of deck officers and the attending Majos. Uh, Alpharius, because of course he is, demands to be taken to the Master of the Ferion. And this is pretty entertaining as a plan, which is really simplistic, but it works really well for them. 
Uh, nobody on that station wants to risk, you know, insulting a Primarch by showing up. So every single high-ranking officer, the Commandant Intendant, the Major Shipmaster of the entire Anchorage fleet, the Preceptor of Astropaths, anybody that helps run the Ferion shows up to meet with Alpharius, who, um, as soon as they start to figure something out, you know, the first alarm klaxons start going off, uh, Alpharius murders every single one of them, and now the entirety of the upper echelons of the command structure of the Ferion are completely absent. And as um, the Sigma Pythonus now opens fire at more or less dead zero range and cripples a lot of the close-range station defenses, a bunch of their void shield generators, punches through a whole bunch of vital systems, and launches in a ton of uh, boarding craft and teleport attacks. Uh, the other docked ships of the Alpha Legion start disgorging Caestus's, Dreadclaws, all sorts of you know, nasty things. Uh, systems are kind of dying left and right here at the Ferion, and the only defenses that are still operational are being fed conflicting targeting data. So they're firing into the empty void, they're firing at themselves, they're firing at friendly ships, all over the place. And now, as things are slowly filtering down to the deck officers and, you know, the um, ship provosts and even down into the menial crew, they're finding that um, their officers have been poisoned, uh, you know, uh, work gang masters and deck officers have been murdered or just straight up missing. It's an absolute shit show, and nobody knows what's going on. Uh, so, basically, the perfect Alpha Legion takeover. Uh, the Ferion is overtaken, and any tiny token resistance are crushed in less than an hour. Uh, and this is particularly bad for the huge cordon of outer defense batteries that the Sigma Pythonus just flew through, because they can't retaliate, as they were designed to protect from outside assaults, and can't be trained on interior bastions like the Ferion. I mean, why would they ever have to, right? So, in the other direction, over Paramar 5, things aren't going as well. Now, uh, Tyche's Lament and the Annex Row are essentially kind of vying in position uh, in geosynchronous orbit over the Paramar Nexus, and they're both demanding the first uh, right for docking and to send in a delegation. Now, the Mechanicum, as always, remained neutral. Tell my wife I said hello. But it slowly dawns on the Alpha Legion that the 77th has no clue of the Dropsite Massacre, or even that their Primarch is kind of sided with the War Master. So, what's gone on here is completely you know, outside the reins of anything else. The 77th has been under independent operation for more than four decades, so more than 40 years by themselves on a single suppression campaign of the Therican Wastes, which is this little range of space that they've garrisoned against numerous Xeno species that keep wanting to move in and, you know, push their shit in. So Kirvalen, completely gormless, was just uh, turning for a scheduled, you know, resupply run as he'd done, like, time and time and time again over the length and breadth of this suppression campaign. And he had no idea what was going on. 
that the Alpha Legion was essentially there to destroy, you know, part of the station and a system he was supposed to protect, he was just angry he couldn't come back and immediately get his shopping done. Which seems like the most Iron Warrior thing ever. Hey, Jason, hey. Okay. let me, yeah, oh yeah, Pat, yeah, so, so let me just jump in right here, because this, I think this passage, right, impasse on page 23, mm -hmm. it speaks to so much of who the Iron Warriors are, right? So, this is not the first time that the 77th Grand Battalion has been to Paramar for resupply, right? They've been many times before, but yet they've been essentially um, out of the net for four decades. So, like, how many times have they come back for resupply, right? Like, three, four? I mean, that's 120 years. That's the entire length of the Great Crusade, at least in, in, in sort of my back-of-the-envelope math, right? So, I mean, that just speaks to the Iron Warriors, right? I mean, this is, this is their lot in life. They're left on the cold, dark edge of the galaxy to bleed out unremembered, unknown, probably saving humanity from who knows what, uh, you know, and and we'll never know because the Theracon wastes are sort of like, uh, Jason, what did we talk about when we were talking about the Night Lords, right? There was like that one passage. It was the witches oh, of, right. the witches of like Gomortha or Get something. some more. Yeah, I guess some more, right? Because we'll never know what that is, right? We'll, as cool as that sounds, yeah. still have no idea what those are. That's very frustrating. Yeah, and so and so we'll probably never know what the Theracon wastes are, but you know, it's where it's where the Iron Warriors of the seventy seventh Grand Battalion have been bleeding out for forty years, and they just happen to show up at this this critical time. And uh, yeah, it's 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 awesome how. Um, they sort of weave these events together, but um, yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to throw that out there because it does really I mean for the Mechanicum to be like oh yeah they showed up and then these guys showed up and you know we're gonna try to play neutrality it's like wow it's like, wow let let them figure it out yeah I mean okay well so listeners here's your here's your super difficult homework for this week figure out anything about the Theracon waste other than the brief mention on page 23 in the third but also, that would be interesting also jason i feel like you aren't counting in space scurvy as a reason for the iron warriors to really want to get to die there's Just very that. little vitamin c in space this is true <laughs> so but i was also thinking uh you mentioned the name of their ship being uh, essentially the you mentioned the luck of the city kind of mm -hmm. but it makes sense as iron warriors because they're technically no uh, right the siege breakers that being anti-luck of a city yeah tyke's um, lament bad yeah. luck for whatever city they're rolling on <laughs> all right guys let's talk about what's going on on the annex row so kind of trying to see this from the alpha legion's perspective um they have two options here. They can pull out of this operation that they have just initiated that has taken them God knows how long, months of prep and planning, and just hundreds and thousands of Astartes and operatives and everything that has been pulled into place 
only to be uh, staved off at the last second by the Iron Warriors, or they can just forge ahead, hope this doesn't screw them too hard, and try to get stuff done anyway. So this is what they go with. The captain of the Annex Row is kind of having trouble here, because Auspec's returns on the long-range scans are starting to show returns of heavy weapons fire at the Farion. So this kind of forces his hand, and they uh, choose to respond to this by launching a full spread of fusion torpedoes near point-blank at the Tyche's Lament and turning towards the Nexus to launch Charybdis assault boats <laughs> at the primary terminal. So the Mechanicum um, adepts here react as well as they could, which is pretty fast, and if it was, you know, humans assaulting them, it might have gone a little differently, but the uh, drop pods launched from the Annex row manage to make it through the shields just before they can form. They're actually tearing through, you know, the little vestigial void shields just coming to life, uh, targeting the Terminus Panopticon. So the Annex row splits its attention between firing off uh, lance strikes from its dorsal lances into the Iron Warrior escorts to scatter them, and uh, turning its main bombardment cannon towards uh, groundward targets uh, in an attempt, well, groundward in the fact that they're still voidborne, but pointed towards the ground. The macro bombardment cannon attempts to overload the shield, and the torpedoes are desperately reloading, and so they're essentially they're trying to overwhelm the Terminus by force now, since subtlety is no longer an option. Now, here's the thing. They launched a full spread of fusion torpedoes uh, straight at the Tyche's Lament, striking it uh, dead, essentially dead in the face for the ship. And um, it's not the best idea, considering, uh, <laughs> because Iron Warrior ships have meters of ablative void plating, and... Um, Let's see here. Meter upon meter of ablative armor plating added to the hulking warship by her bitter-hearted master had been splashed into jetting plasma by the fusion torpedo strikes, but the armored core beneath it, fashioned in the forges of the Olympia shipyards, had been built to withstand worse, and that had barely been scorched. They didn't even make it through the ablative armored plating. They just pissed it off. And what I think is terrific is the very next paragraph. Uh, extant records show that though his ship's targeting auspexes had been blinded and the bridge flamed about him, it was Warsmith Carvalen himself who threw aside his steersman and triggered the main drives at maximum burn, shouting black profane oaths aloud as the seven-kilometer-long warship hurtled like a burning spear at the Annex Row. So, his bridge is on fire, Every targeting Auspex is blind, and Kirvalen's first thought is to hurl his entire... Not to shoot at it, to hurl his entire flagship at the Annex Row that just launched fusion torpedoes at him. That is the most Iron Warrior thing possibly to ever exist. And I mean, it's also pretty badass. It is pretty badass. So, the, um... On fire, Tyche's Lament strikes the Annex Row amidships, and even though it tries to evade, they're kind of trying to do two things at, too many things at, at once at this point. Um, 
So the Lament strikes it from directly below, breaks its void shields open, and beats it aside in a storm of broken debris and venting atmosphere. So the Annex Row is heavily built, and it's not completely destroyed, but its own engines were just kicking on as the Lament struck it, so the engine thrust that's already building up through it kind of throws it sort of screwy out of orbit, and they're desperately trying to bring themselves to bear as the um, Tyche's Lament is even now lining up another attack run. I totally see it, but no big deal. It would be pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's, it's so good, man. I mean, I, I talked a little bit last episode about really the, the imperative uh, for the, um, the 20th Legion to get the assault cruiser down on the ground, right? Like, they had to land the Annex Row. That was, that was the decapitation strike. And this is not just a typical assault cruiser, right? Like, this, is, this has got this packs of bombardment cannon. It's got, I mean, a blade of armor. It survives a strike from a capital ship. I mean, we, we, like, we have some anecdotal evidence to suggest how big this, this thing is. Um, but, but it's denied, right? And it's just uh, Kier Valen is, is, is that much more of a badass for, for throwing his, his capital ship into the middle of this. Um, yeah, it's just, it's so good. Um, very cool. I mean, this is, this is almost like a, as, as cinematic and thematic as you can get. Uh, it, it echoes, I think, in a lot of ways the, the battle for Port Ma, right? Almost, almost really in analog because... You're, you're trying to take out the command and control center, right? That's what Horus is always trying to do. Horus always tries to take out the command and control of whatever enemy he's targeting. And so the Panopticon, just like at the Panopticon in the Coordinate Deeps at, you know, at Port Ma, that was his target. And uh, he did so through, you know, subversion and stealth as well as his well-orchestrated uh, plan. He, he's trying to do that, or the Alpha Legion is trying to do that again here. So I think there's a lot of really cool um, analogs, but, uh, but yeah, man, there's just, this is good. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think I have a lot more to, to add to this narrative, like, at this point, right? Like, I think we've sort of taken it up to the, to the climax of, of trying to land the Annex Row, right? Like, the, the, this, this really was the Alpha Legion's primary... Uh, objective, which was to land the Anax Row, this heavy assault cruiser, uh, which would have decapitated Paramar. Um, but they couldn't do it. And, and just, you know, they couldn't bring their bombardment cannon online. And Kira Valen is just such a fucking badass that he denied them more than one bombardment, right? The fusion, the fusion missiles and, and the, the, the initial sort of surprise attack on the Tyke's Lament. And he just, you know, he drove him off, man. And then he fucking lands. Right? <laughs> like, and then he lands. And that's where we're going, guys. Because this really, this is not over. It's not even close to over. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you probably figured it out by now. But, you know, the Iron Warriors are able to land their fleet and uh, and then sort of the defense starts, right? Because we know there's an entire 
20th Legion fleet hiding behind the sort of uh, solar radiation auspects, uh, you know, dispersion. Uh, so they're going to come in next. I don't know. I mean, I think that's where we're going, right, Jason? It is indeed. All that and more next time on Harris Grad School. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, I guess, fellas, do we, I guess that's the end of the episode. Do we have any plugs? Dave, you got anybody? Um, I, yeah, I was going to just, I was going to plug a few people. I was going to say thanks to Alex, right? Alex is a longtime Patreon supporter. He may have been our first. Uh, Alex, your, uh, your, your stuff is in the mail, man, but it, it's, it may be a while. You know, it's got to go through a couple mandible points and warp translations. So, uh, the warp is mighty thin down there from what I've been told. <laughs> I heard you guys already have Tyranids, Alex. Goodness gracious. But yeah, no. Uh, (laughs) Shout out to to all of our subscribers. Um, There's still a poll up right now for a Heresy Grad School listener chosen episode. Um, And I was just talking with Jesse over (sighs) on the uh, main cast. It's going to be up till the end of the week. So if you've ever thought about choosing what topic we cover... Now's your chance. I think it's the Praetorian. It's either the Praetor or the Centurion level gets you access to that poll. And the options are, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, Xana, the Silent Sisterhood, and Christians. Yeah, and, and I, I will say that I think right now we're leaning towards sort of exploring the uh, Silent Sisters and sort of their Divisio astrotelepathica connection right and so that, that'll be pretty cool i think that's sort of where the voting is going but um that you know change. pat pat and jesse are are you know they're the masters of our destiny so so yeah i don't know how long this is going to stay open but if you guys want to get in uh i think it's going to be open for a little bit longer and yeah you can vote on where we are going next um i will say if we go to Xana, that will be a very long, multi-part um, heresy grad school, right? That'll be on the order of sort of the Coronet Deeps. I, I like Jason and I have been kicking back, and Pat too. We've been we've been kicking back uh, ideas on Xana for a long time, and we're gonna get there. We just I'm not sure when we're gonna get there, but it's gonna be a it'll be a very very deep dive. Um, it is going to be an undertaking. Yeah, it'll be definitely an undertaking. So, guys, uh, let us know what you want. Or choose Karn. Karn's cool. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Karn is pretty cool. I think that's why I had that um, Eater of Worlds novella on my mind. I'm just saying, if, if listeners love Pat, but for Karn. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, again, just a, a shout out to everybody who signed uh, Patreon. Thank you guys so much. You're uh, helping this cast run. So thank you very much. And I mean, hell, all of the listeners are helping this cast run. You guys give us the motivation to, you know, hang out for a couple evenings a week from recording and editing. And uh, Jason, you got anybody or anything? Uh, not that I can think of. I am pretty, uh, I'm pretty content. Not uh, Coke or Pepsi or Ugh. boba tea or something like that. I am that. a fan of a good bubble tea. All bubble tea manufacturers, we're looking for a, uh, a sponsor. Thank you. Yeah, I'm tired of waiting around for Coca-Cola. They missed their chance. Well, I uh, hope you all have enjoyed. School is kind of a short one. 
But uh, talk to you all next time. Bye.